Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. This is take two of the New York final live edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes Extravaganza. With me as always is your host and my good buddy, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing? Great, how are you doing? Good. Who do we, else do we have with us on the line though? Because we got the whole team here. Yes, we have the Daves we know, starting with Pittsburgh Dave Martin by way of New York, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And David Up, New Jersey's finest, a.k.a. Shore Style, by way of Austin. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yeah. It was described to me by someone I was interviewing today as that you were a Shore st- You were one of the Shore kids, one of the Shore Harker kids. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Well, I think that was good by by association. <laughs> by association, yes. By association, you know, you weren't you weren't a Bergen, New Jersey kid. I was not a Bergen. I was Morris. More sure. Next, uh, no, Morris is the next town over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, da ding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, Chris O'Toole and I were in a band called Bergenfield Four, named after True. Bergenfield, New Jersey. True. For the for the uh, the mass suicide. You know True. it. Really. Yep. Uh, I read a book on it. A horrific band. <laughs> Actually, an amazing a, band, but like a horrific concept to name your band after. Um, there was yeah. a, a a punk guy named Josh who was from there that he printed uh, when when uh, did you have any issues of disturbing the peace pre Game of the Arseholes? No, but I've definitely heard of that zine by the great um, Strader. Some of the the ones that when they got printed versus photocopied were printed by that guy, as well as the final Dead Nation seven inch on Kangaroo. I know it might seem weird they were printed in New Jersey and then shipped to Holland, <laughs> but they were. Um, well, because I remember and, talking uh, to those guys yeah. like Hank and those dudes, and he said like everything about records at that time in Europe was incredibly expensive. Like this is pre Pirates Press really being a thing. Yeah. So, so, like, he gave me at one point, he gave me a career suicide test press, and he's like, This costs 30 euros for us to produce <laughs> or something. Like, oh, wow. wow. Yeah, it was, it was cheaper for me to ship this, like, incredibly heavy box to Europe yeah. than it was for him to print it. So, and I, I mean, I, I know that they were printed for very cheap. I don't remember what it cost, but it was not expensive. Yeah. Because I knew the guy. Well, you got, it, you got the but, hookup. And he lived in Bergenfield. Okay, I thought you were going to say he was one of the fo- related to one and of the he's, four. He's dead now. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, that's, that's a disturbing story. His, his final act. Yeah. No, I, I'm. I have not seen him in a long time, but I believe he lives uh, in England and is doing well. He shipped himself to England after he shipped those seven. Which is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And he was a uh, he was uh, someone that I knew whose favorite band was Major Accident. Really? Wow. Real wow. random band to pick as a favorite. Yeah. Yes. That might That's be pretty, yeah, more, like. Are there more favorite bands that are Major Accident than FOD? Oh, Ooh. I mean, they're a better band, so I assume. That's <laughs> <laughs> fire. I feel like bad oh. because yesterday, of course, this, FOD. This, Man. this is the second time we've had to record this, but yesterday when we recorded this, we went through the mailbag, and there was actually like a very good defense put forward by our good friend. Todd, uh, Tom Martin about this whole very subject, but we're not going to read that email today. So that FLD shot is going to go unanswered. But don't worry, <laughs> Tom, we'll get your email. Chris and I are going to do an all mailbag extravaganza dealing with all the mailbag we've passed by on this 
a celebration of the Turned Out of Punk Live Tour and a celebration of Chris O'Toole's uh, Mad, Mask, Mad Max-esque Road Warrior driving skills that took <laughs> us from one part of the East Coast of the United States to the other part of the United States. And then back to Canada. And back, correct. And back, and back. So, uh, but yeah, so this has been a really fun time. We had to record this yesterday. Unfortunately, it was two and a half hours. It was incredible. And then it got lost. So yeah. we're back, though, with like fresh, fresh ideas about the same concepts. Right, guys? <laughs> and, and, and I want to say that I think it's very fitting on Groundhog's Day to do the same thing over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. Well done. That is true. Well, um, and yeah, we're not even just doing this as a gimmick because it's Groundhog Day. This really did happen to us yesterday. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, like we'll dive into the episode in one second, but I guess we do have one news item to get to off the top of the show, which is Turned Out of Punk got a shout out on one of the key inspirations to this show. Actually, two of the key inspirations to me on this show. We got shout outs this week. Number one, first and foremost, on the best show, they mentioned Turned Out of Punk like three times this week. Well, there you go. I know. Yeah. And you were saying that they're they're now deep heads with Turned Out of Punk. They're, that they're just like contacting you about old episodes. and Yes. Tom gave me a footnote in regards to the Gerard Cosloy episode even. Um, and he, uh, it was, it was, it's awesome. Like, you know, like as, as yeah, I've, I've been very lucky and, and gotten to interact with the best show a lot over the years and my band has been involved in it and stuff like that. But knowing that they engage with this podcast, oh, that, that, that was a little special thing. So that, that's awesome. And I, uh, I encourage everyone, if you're obviously, if you're a fan of this show, you've probably heard of the best show, but if you've, for some reason, not heard of this best show thing, check it out. Really do get into it. Um, it is awesome, and so yeah. And then also number two, got a got a little bit of a shout out on uh, Keep It One Hundred, Conan from WCW's podcast. He mentioned us to his co-host Kevin Gill, owner of Striving for Togetherness Records. <laughs> he said that I because wow. I, I talked to Conan last week on the phone and I was like yeah like you know Kevin Gill like did this cool label that did a lot of cool stuff and blah blah and he's like he's like really and I'm like yeah and so they like I'm listening to the podcast uh, this week of course on the toilet smoking weed as I normally consume podcasts and uh, sure enough they, they mention this show and, and he mentions that to Kevin Gill and so I think we're going to get Kevin Gill on the show if they're like one step closer and we can finally like that to me is like one of the other great missing link pieces is how do you connect juggalo to punk and hardcore and I insane clown bossy. Cause like it's a huge movement. And obviously we've already established amongst all of us that homies is probably one of the top 10 songs ever written. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. From, from, from juggernaut to juggalo. Yes. To juggalo. <laughs> Well, touche, Dave. That is awesome. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) And and I have to say, if this puts you one step closer to turned out a punk live at the gathering, I'm all for it, dude. (laughs) They would spray us with fago so hard, like we would be dyed the color of that fago. They would be (laughs) dumping it on us, which I hear is a sign of affection, also a sign of hatred. So as a as this might be like a real noob question, but where is the gathering? 
Uh, this is it year, in, like Detroit or wherever they're from, oh, or no. no, no, it's it. I believe it's always been at some place that is named Cave in Rock, Illinois. Dave, I'm afraid your information is a little outdated. Which I, uh, you're right. It was uh, okay. in Cave in oh, Rock. Maybe they've yeah. They eventually had to move it to Ohio, where it was last year for the last two years, I believe, and they ran into some trouble. So this year, gentlemen, it is rumored that the Gathering of the Juggalos will be in. Denver, fucking Colorado. Smoke them if you got them. We're going to sing homies on stage with ICP and smoke weed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was going to see what, what it cost to, what it, what it cost to go, but uh, online tickets are off. I guess it's sold out. <laughs> I know. I don't think, I don't think they've announced it yet. Like, I think it, honestly, it's kind of one of those things that like, <laughs> for some reason uh they're not bidding on to get you know cities don't bid on it in the same way they do all-star games and super bowls and wrestlemanias uh so they have a hard time finding venues that will accommodate them and i think that might be one of the issues right now but the rumor is it's denver colorado this year so holy god well, i've got a free place to stay out there but i got a place i don't to think stay that's too. the, the I don't think that's the biggest problem with it. Well, maybe we can do live with we can do Turn It Up Punk live with Kevin Gill at the Gathering of the Juggalos. <laughs> there you go. It's boom, and Jeff Cannonball might be there too. So there we go. <laughs> we're, we're filling up this card already. We just got to get booked on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can take my silence as disapproval, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, if you if you sat out an opportunity to go to the gathering of the Juggalos, you know, like thirty years from now, you'd be sitting there like, "Fuck, I could have gone." He's like missing Woodstock. I would probably go, but then I, I'm just envisioning how deep you would get at an event like that. What do you mean how deep I would get? You think I'd go full Juggalos? You would be embracing the moment so heavily, and I would just be like very weirded out by the whole ordeal. So I don't know if it would be a great time for me to be perfectly honest. Although I do agree with you that it would be something to experience. Yeah, like it'd be a chance for us to go around, look for um, uh, a copy of "My Dad's a Fucking Alcoholic" by the Frantics for you, or like uh, <laughs> what's what's "Drunk Sex Sucks" by uh, Bumcon. You know, like one of those great like lost seven inches, and and a chance for me to do a shit ton of dabs and sing "Homies" on stage and spray the days with Fago. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I like that you're already pulling enough weight to be on stage. Yeah. Also, yeah. Well, I was well, told. You know I was you told by someone who did spray. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. thank you, Dave. <laughs> we were all told by someone who was invited on stage to spray the audience with Fago that I was famous. So I'm going to pull that card. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be an incredible experience. Oh my god, um, but. <laughs> This is why we're not doing the mailbag this week, because we're already distracted, and I, I'm not even done the shout-outs to myself section. Um, if you want to <laughs> yeah. get in touch with us here at uh, Turned Out a Punk in general, please head over to DamienAberham.com. There's an email address there. You can find me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. You can uh, support this show by subscribing to it and writing a review and rating it on iTunes. And also, if you use uh, Facebook... You can find Turned Out a Punk on there, or if you'd use Tumblr, you can find us on there.
And Chris, how do they get in touch with us here? Uh, turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. So get those emails in because Chris and I are going to do battle with that mailbag soon. Or maybe we should just know what we should do. <laughs> we can just have the two Daves back. We can go back to just doing the footnotes and we have the two Daves back and we just do an all mailbag extravaganza. It'd be good. It's whether or not you guys they're are able. Down. But if you guys are down. Of course. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I won't say no. Okay. Mailbagging. <laughs> Mailbagging is coming soon. Look for that in your feed eventually. Um, but no, we're not going to be mailbagging this week. We are going to be New York bagging because we were in Brooklyn at the great Rough Trade Records in uh, Williamsburg, New York for a live podcast with uh, an incredible array of guests from Tony Rettman, an author who's written two great, two fantastic oral history books about punk and hardcore, Why Be Something That You're Not, and the New York Hardcore book. And he's got a third one coming out about Straight Edge very soon. Also, there was on that stage my good buddy, Andy Capper. Also on that stage was Walter Schreifels, the legend, the music legend, New York punk hardcore god, uh, followed by Meredith Graves, cultural force, cultural icon, Meredith Graves, and then capped off by the inspiration Tom Sharpling of The Best Show. And if that weren't enough, we also have, like the two old men from The Muppet Show, in the corner, Chris O'Toole <laughs> and Dave Martin. <laughs> yeah. David Up, do you wish you were there? I do. I, I feel very bad, especially in the, the early stages of this Turn Out a Punk tour, when Chris was just kind of teasing it. Like he wasn't going to go. I felt like he was really just letting an opportunity slip away like he will with the gathering yes. where he was just going to let this thing pass him by. Yes. No. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, you know what, Dave, we got, we, we, you were the, you were at the original, right? Like we don't let's like, I think that's the thing about turning to punk lives. I'm going to hit a point where they're not going to be good, which is going to have, it's going to suck. But until that point, they've all been fucking awesome. <laughs> not because of yeah. me because of like the guests that have agreed or been suckered into doing it <laughs> I think as proof listened to by everybody else I, I would agree with that I think your guests bring it on a special level for the live ones yeah from what I've noticed yeah absolutely and especially uh, I could not think of a cooler well I could you know I could think of a couple other people I would also like to talk to in New York but like you know, as far as like an array of people that have been on the show, Michael Olago originally was supposed to be on it and had to travel last minute and couldn't do it. But like if Michael was there, like a, a cooler array of former New York guests, I can hardly think of. Yeah, well, it was a good uh, was a good panel, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, well, let's dive on in. Um, I think we've got uh, a lot to get to, um, starting with. Tony Rutman, uh, how many of you guys have read New York Hardcore or Why Be Something You're Not? Uh, I've read them both. I'm over I've two, not read the one. New York book. No. You've not, you haven't read either, Chris? O'Toole? No, I've, I've got, uh, I have a, a sort of backlog of books. I, I've read parts of New York Hardcore just thumbing through it, but I haven't sat down to read it front to back yet. It's like the stuff that I loved in it, like obviously like, you know, some of those, eras are kind of like well drawn you know those sort of stories but like yeah i think for like the first wave or the second wave actually the first wave of bands too 
But like certainly that second wave of like abused urban waste, antidote, which we've talked about before uh, on the show, like to kind of get the histories of those bands and, and what that vibe was like amongst that little crew of bands, I thought was awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, why did you? Sorry, go on. Did you ever have any Tony Zine? Uh, Common Sense? Yeah. I like, I like obviously way after the fact, but I bought a Zine collection. I think I have the first two, maybe? I, I, I had like some, some reissues of them. Like they were reprinted. Um, because like, I want to say it was probably Tim that did it because Tim like worked at a print place forever. Mm-hmm. But I had, I had some like, you know, official reissues, so to speak, of a bunch of them. Were the official reissues on like that kind of heart attack print? What were they on? I feel like they were like nice. I feel like they were like not like cardstock, but yeah. I feel like it was like decent paper. Yeah, maybe it was I, hard attack. I must have a hard attack was like a newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah it must have a reprint then. Of it. Yeah, because I, I I had a couple of those, but yeah, I uh, I don't know if the, what other books. I think he's written in some other stuff, but we're gonna get way too off on Tony Redman. Yeah, well, he's definitely <laughs> written a lot of stuff on Vice over the years too, mm. and written like. Yeah, a couple other places too, certainly, and he's become, uh, you know, like, like you know, like for hardcore oral histories, like the guy, you know, yeah, and and certainly he's he's picked that that Midwest book, you know, which you, Dave Martin, you've also read, uh, oh was, yeah, that for me was like you know like another area that I knew nothing short of just stuff I'd read in Touch and Goes or various other zines I'd picked up over the years, yeah. Yeah, of I mean, the it, ones, of the ones that exist so far, what, what do you rate higher? It's kind of hard to say because, like, I think I'm more interested as far as like a a weird fascination with the Midwest stuff. But the New York Harker book is it's pretty it's pretty deep. Like the stuff that he gets to, it's like twice the size, so it's yeah. hard to compare them. Yeah, it's because there's, yeah, yeah, the the Midwest one is pretty slim. Like it's a and it's a very quick read. Yeah. Um, you know, gotcha. Okay, so it's apples and oranges a bit. Yeah, like you definitely like see that he's got a way of doing it, and I like the fact like there's a lot of oral histories in punk that have maybe not been so good, and maybe did a disservice to the genre. And he's never really, you know, as far as my take on it, as his books are great and like don't seem to do that. And I think obviously certain subject matters he's dealing with in these books are very sensitive, so. You know, I can imagine it takes <laughs> certain uh, kick gloves to kind of deal with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, cool. the, the New York Hardcore book, I, I I thoroughly, I mean, I not that I didn't enjoy the Midwest book, but I think I enjoyed the New York Hardcore book more. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a den- it's like there's more in it. And, you know, and like Freddie Madball's intro is fucking incredible. Like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great read. Yeah. yeah, I've read I've read the intro, but I didn't get past it yet. Well, Chris, you got some homework, buddy. I know, I got a lot. I haven't read the Harley book yet either. <laughs> I've read the Harley book either. Um, ah. but David up, David up got got to it before. Yeah, I, I read through that, and I've been not as much as I've not as quick as I'd like, but I've been working my way through the Keith Morris book. Uh, well, you know what? I hang out. Oh. I, recent guest, uh, Brad Logan, or sorry, future guest, Brad Logan. And then last night I hung out with Adam from AFI, and both of them have read the Keith Morris book and love it. So, 
<laughs> so how are how are your sales going for that, Dame? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, you know. Like I get, I getting a, 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 you know, a little check every couple of weeks, but it helps. It really helps. That's the uh, yeah. For for recent listeners, you won't get that, but for those who listen, you get that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like that explanation of jokes. Yeah, some people exactly. will get that, others won't. Okay, just go back. Just yeah, go you got, back. You got, yeah. you got about eight hours of or eight. Hundreds of hours of to listen to <laughs> to kind of find that one joke. So <laughs> get to it. <laughs> um, I think we should probably go on to the next point. Does anyone else have another point they want to get to? <laughs> Just talking Tony Rettman. Um, uh, besides his, uh, his, uh, his work as an author, you didn't really talk about him as a label mogul. What was his I guess label? Consequence Records. Oh, Consequence. That's right. Let's, uh, let's pull up the Discogs. <laughs> as um, we tend to do as so, someone that it's kind of known he's someone who put out the it's for life comp directly before breaking edge <laughs> <laughs> why couldn't you have been there yeah. <laughs> oh that's right the original yeah. art that comp was actually like a super shit rare record for a moment yeah um, and with the original sleeve, with the uh, with the um, whatever the uh, dog tag sleeve. Yeah. Um, oh so, yeah. My God, I got to find this labels page now. <laughs> uh, it's it's. I'll be honest. You're gonna have to. Sur- it's Consequence Records two. Um, it's it's pulling up comps on Discogs is super it's, hard. It's, it's hard. Easier, yeah. It's easier, it's, if you search yeah. Consequence, you get it quick. I've got it it's, here. It's, it's easier to just like. Google them and then backtrack it than it is the other way around. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like, we're who was I talking about? Well, Chris, we were talking about this the other day, right? Like how it's funny how it's just like with discogs. It's you can tell it's a labor of love because mm, yeah, it's it's not quite as like user friendly as someone who is doing it to make a profit would be doing. I fucking totally forgot that he did the breakaway seven inch. Oh yeah, yeah. Team, also a split with teamwork. Yep. Yeah. Teamwork one. Well, and you and you can actually see uh, my I had I had to I had to make an entry into Discogs to put my record in there because which there's a, a sleeve that I got which is of ten where it's just the judge artwork ripped off and there was a letter from Tim McMahon in it being like, hey, sorry, uh, we ran out of covers. Hope you like this one. It's limited to ten. And so hmm. that's what, I put that in there. Nice. The uh, the interesting thing is I forgot that this also, on this comp, it ties in uh, Philadelphia guest Andy Nelson. Really? Does it? Pictures. Was he not in Lifetime? He wasn't Lifetime, wasn't he? No, Dan Yemen was. Oh, Dan yeah. Yemen was. Well, either way, yes, no. really, I screwed that up, but Dan was. Well, like, this is actually, like, not a bad run. No. For a label? Like, he, like you know... There's not like a you know really like an embarrassing record in here. No, I mean it's it's a fine it's a fine label. Yeah, you know, it's for life comp. I I, I you know I I looked hard to get that. It took me a while to get that. You know, <laughs> sick sick unbroken song, strife song. I wonder yeah, how many it's... people on this whole comp are still straight edge. Yeah, that's what's the ironic bit. I'd say mouthpiece is probably the most, right? I would think. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe I don't know. 
Someone in Unbroken? Still probably. Well, in Resurrection, I, I'm not the right person to ask this question. Yeah, no, you know, like, I don't know. I'm like, we're speculating on people's edges. Yeah. I'm going to smoke this dab and move on to the next subject. <laughs> yes. Uh, Damien's over. Uh, uh, yeah, so... All right, so we, if we're actually going to like talk about the episode, yeah. Um, yeah. What's, uh, my first point regarding the episode was the X-ray specs and that being like a gateway, like hearing the X-ray specs and being like, yeah, this is for me, is not a common thing from someone in... Princeton or New Jersey. No, but they're one of the they're one of the bands that was like, you know, one of those twenty five bands that probably had their like catalog swindled away from them at some point, and would seem to be on every punk comp that you bought when you were first getting into comp into punk, like every cheap CD punk compilation. Well, I, I mean, they were, they were on a major label, so I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were on a major label, so like. They probably didn't. Their rights were signed away willingly, like at you know at the beginning. And yeah, you know the you know from the major label standpoint, they were like, "That's the only way we're ever going to make any money on this is licensing it here and there and everywhere." Yeah. So like, I'm, I actually want to go. The, I'm at the X-ray you know, uh, Discogs page, and they are on 125 compilations. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's 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 a pretty good uh, pretty good run. Well, I was just saying, you know, from from like a real practical standpoint, the label, you know, major labels have always been, you know, very easy to find. Yeah. Where smaller labels, you know, either go out of business or stop, or you just don't know how to get in touch with those people. Mm-hmm. So you know, all of those, you know, if you look at, you know, even like. You know, you look at a band like the Misfits, you know, who have, you know, obviously are hugely popular. But if those songs had been on major labels, maybe they would have been even more popular mm-hmm. even sooner. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would have been ubiquitous. Like, you would have, like, like the fact that those were out of print for a long time. Yeah. I probably just, like, you know, like, by the time I heard the Misfits. Yeah, exactly. I like, like, that sh- never would have happened. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because, like... It's almost like in this era you want that. Like I'm sure, like another point, these all these bands would be lamenting the fact they probably weren't getting paid as much as they should for all this stuff. But like in the modern era, like you want to be as around and on everything as possible because like that's the game these days. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah. like when when they got together, they weren't really like hoping to get all the sinks they could. <laughs> yeah, but but they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, but did you like one of the first ways? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't like the first. I mean, it might have been the first time I ever heard them was through that punk rock the movie. Did you ever see that? The Don Letts one. I think that's who made it. Yeah, the Don Letts one. Yeah, yeah. That's I, me- awesome. I remember like renting it at a video store when I was like, like I probably knew like the Clash and Sex Pistols and like the Misfits and like a handful of like starter set like punk bands, but then. That gets into like Slaughter and the Dogs and you know X-ray Specs and a bunch of stuff. And they also were the band that in England, and this is going to sound like I'm dismissing them as a band. I'm not because I, I do. I think they're fucking phenomenal. But like, they were the band that in the British punk books that were coming out at that time would be like, and there was a band with a girl in it, and it would be like <laughs> them and the Slits, 
And it would be like those were the two bands that were mentioned. And then so like, you know, and then of course when you get into punk and you're like, oh, there were like lots of bands with women in it. And it's like it was like, you know, it it's they're the band that kind of is the one that's used to represent women as like this, there this, this, this band, and then kind of like glossing over all these other bands. Not that that's their fault or anything. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, Oh Bondage Up Yours came out in seventy seven. So I mean in yeah. that in the in the seventies you're gonna have a lot of firsts. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, I mean I'm sure they weren't the first punk band with a, a female, but just by where they were and everything like that, I'm sure that was like a a, a novelty to an extent. And and as Dave said, it's also like it's the fact that they were on a major label. Like that's like who wrote the like you know until the modern times where we're, people are really into being obscure. That's who wrote the history. Yeah, because you know it's one of the things that there could be like you know four other bands that had female singers, but if they were on just like. They just put out like a, a weird British tape. No one would know who they are except Robbie Brookside. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> not we're not talking about the Andrew Androids of Moo being on 125 compilations, right? <laughs> I'm sure that when you said that about their compilations, that the dudes in Agathocles were just like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what are they at on Discogs? Uh, I was gonna make that joke earlier, and then I'm like, oh, let me look at this. They have 420 entries. Holy so, uh, shit. Yeah, but they're only on 30 compilations according to this, so in your face. X-Ray Specs is crushing them there. Dude, what are you but... talking about? 134 <laughs> compilations on appearances. Compilations appearances. above, those are like compilations. Oh, there albums. you go. They're on 134 right, so, comps. <laughs> so X-Ray Specs is beating them by, by they're on 136 appearances. So well, That's all because oh. Agathocles signed to that major label. <laughs> yeah, I always forget about all their EMI releases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about Amans, who comes up on the show a lot, like, you know, Toronto punk fixture and music fixture, was that he would talk to me sometimes about his records, and I'd be t- asking him about, like, do you have, like, the Chronic Sick? He'd be like, oh, yeah, it's not very good, blah, blah. And then he'd bring up, like, Agathocles, like an Agathocles split. I'm like, how do you even know the difference at this point between them? And that was yeah. like in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's thank, thankfully a band that I never got obsessed with. Oh no shots God. fired there, but you know it's just <laughs> yeah. it's, once again it's like the best show. Like where do you start? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would love if someone though gave me like a list of like yo, this is the ten best Agathocles songs. Like this is the homies of Agathocles songs. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> where's where's their gathering festival? Like where's the, the, the Agathocles? Like you know, like what's the uh, that Swedish band that you're you're friends with from like your high school? A Millicall. Uh, yeah, like you know how they have their own fest that you yeah. talked about. Yeah. Where's the Agathocles equivalent? Uh, the Agathocles fest. Uh, I don't know. And like you know the Agalos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Gathering of the Agalos. <laughs> and Agathocles starts playing on the Friday night and wraps up on the Thursday afternoon, and they just do the discography. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, oh God, it's crazy. I'm like, uh, <laughs> there's actually there's one review here. It's like, you got to give credit to Jan. Who kept the band alive throughout all the lineup changes over the years? Personally, I felt they peaked at razor sharp daggers, 
and then drastically fell off. So that's the one you got to check out, Razor Sharp Daggers. That's the peak Agathocles. According material. to Boogie666 in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> He's edited it over four years ago. Uh. <laughs> but like 12 people have found this helpful. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not open that rabbit hole of going down Boogie Six Six Six's Discogs entries. Uh, <laughs> I just like to say that uh, although this Agathocles has been highly entertaining, I don't think it, it peaks the raging slab content that was uh, in yesterday's try. <laughs> well, the, the day is young. Uh, I don't think we can recreate it. No, we no. Can't. it was in a moment of. Uh, we can't. Yeah. So, uh, what was the, what's the next point? Uh, I, I feel like I want to like let's, we didn't really talk about can't close my eyes yesterday. So let's do that point instead. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of hearing youth of today and assuming it was like put out as a novelty is is super funny. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is. It is like a. It's funny because like youth of today, if like I'm not as like a big fan as a lot of people like as far as my youth crew bands they're not like my number one but okay all right let's let's pause there yeah who's your number one <laughs> who's your number one youth crew band uh dave you've listened to this show you should know uh brotherhood oh okay. oh yeah 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 i was gonna say confront but i guess it's not confront really brotherhood stupid. turning okay generation of hope comp side two that's probably yeah not, that's not i i for I, I wasn't sure if, if, if youth crew had to be part of like the way it is, like the, the actual youth oh, like, crew people. You're right. But yeah, right. If I, so if I was going like New York bands, like from that era. You going side by side? I'm probably going side by side. I was just going to say side by side. But I, I used to be, I used to be another band, but then the lead singer revealed himself to be kind of sketchy. So I kind of can't say that band anymore. But, uh, you know. So YDL was your favorite? <laughs> No, <laughs> no. They weren't. I said crew. revealed himself to be sketchy. <laughs> Not a lot of reveal in that one. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It, was, it somehow became real top news a few months ago. I know it's like that's called hiding in plain sight. I guess for yeah. you know the story, but um, but yeah, no, it, it, they were not my favorite. It's uh, probably uh, Generation of Hope side two. All right, Chain of Strength confront Brotherhood. And then, uh, you know, I'd also have Turning Point on there, too. Those are all excellent. The only thing I would push back on this is that, for me, like, yes, some of the lyrical content of Easton Today is, is unbelievably uh, precious in these, uh, like, like this far removed. But um, those songs are unreal. Like, yeah. some of those songs. And they're still amazing live, still. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know what, the only time... I've actually just been like, fuck, this is like probably one of the best bands I've ever seen. And like, I fucking love you today was when I watched them with you, Dave, this, uh, mm-hmm. this year at Texas. And I was like, oh, cause I'd never seen them live until that show. And once I saw them live, I'm like, oh, all these songs make sense to me. And I remembered all the lyrics for some reason, even though I'd like, you know, never really studied them or anything. It was, it was yeah. Awesome. Dave Martin, did you ever see them and just get walk out bored? <laughs> uh, no, I think I probably didn't even go. Um, <laughs> you know, I was I was so over it by that point, though. Um, you know, what do you I, think now, though? The wholesale now? Not really. Um, it just 
it it does nothing for me. I actually tried to listen to Youth of Today um, a few a few weeks ago, and I was just like, it it, it record, nothing though? there. What record though? Like if you're telling me disengage, oh, God. okay, I kind of get that. But if you're telling me like can't close, yeah, what's their what's their Earth AD? Their Earth AD is uh, uh, <laughs> is disengage. Disengage, yeah, definitely. But the, I'm, I don't know. I love those early recordings. See, for me, the um, get like when the fact that you can't hang with you today, I, I like that because that's the Dave Martin I have in my mind. But the Misfits, yeah. I can't like you can listen to early Misfits and you can't listen to early Youth today. That's the thing that I don't understand. That no, I can understand that. Like and, I, and like you know, and I I've, I've said I've turned the corner on you today, but like come on, Misfits. I can play the Misfits for just about anyone. And they might be no, it's it is it's more palatable for sure. But it's like I'll, I'll give another comparison. It's like <clears throat> talking about Minor Threat. So they think universally it can be agreed that everyone loves Minor Threat or everyone with a mind. <laughs> I, I think you and I both know there's someone that doesn't love yeah. Youth Today <laughs> that likes Minor Threat. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> but but what I mean is like the people who are looking at it objectively, going oh, all these things of that era with a certain type of you know fidelity to it, then they're going to like everything kind of universally to a degree. Um, but for me, that use it today is sort of undeniable. Those those early recordings, at least. Um, but either yeah, way, you know, I, I mean, you know, all I can say is, you know, I mean, when you're that age, um, things move so fast. And uh, I was, you know, I I was cycling out of hardcore at that point, and it just it just seemed like a step backwards. And um, oh, you I know. Yeah. Dave, are you doing Dave, the intro uh, for Can't Slow I, Down? I, I couldn't connect. <laughs> are you, you going to go into Can't Slow Down right now? Is that what you're setting us up for? Because this sounds like the Ray Capo intro speech for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but Dave, Can't Close My Eyes came out in 85. Like, you shouldn't have been, like, thrown in the no. towel at that point. Then I just wasn't aware. 85? First seven is 85. First LP is 86. Yeah. Yeah. It's those are great too. Um, see, yeah, I, I might I I just must have missed them then. Like, um, you know, totally not aware. I don't think I was aware of them until like eighty seven or something. The yeah. the eight, break down the walls tour was eighty seven. Like, I don't see them like touring playing Pittsburgh on the seven inch. But I think yeah. you know they they did the youth crew across America tour in eighty eight, and they there was a break down the walls tour of some sort in 87 mm-hmm. but i don't know how like national it was but i think it was a u.s tour yeah i'm sure they would have played they Pittsburgh like, on that yeah they weren't i don't they weren't using today weren't the kind of band that was going to do like fly out tours in the 80s like that wasn't a thing did they no, no, fly no, out no, the been west coast in the van or no they did play the, but i would i would almost wonder if they drove yeah i'm trying to like a bl- I've read this story. It's like definitely in the Revelation book or like some of those books. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely in a book you and I both probably read when we were sixteen. <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly. probably not really like top of our, our heads right now. But, <laughs> uh, but it's probably but, in the know, library. To, to go with disengage though, disengage was not the first youth of today thing I heard, but I, I heard disengage before I heard we're not this alone. Same and before before I heard can't close my eyes. Like no, I same. bought disengage and the way it is. On, in those stupid, like, no packaging CDs Rev was doing at the same time. Like, I bought them both at the same show. Yeah. Yeah, I think I heard Disengage first. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Disengage. But it, yeah. it's, 
definitely for me the least of all the things they did that I enjoyed. But um, but it's it's good. I I liked it. It wrote me in, got me into listening to their other stuff. All right. So here's another to go go off this era. That sorry if this is too inside for Dave Martin. Can't, can't, close, can't, can't close my eyes 7-inch or Warzone 7-inch which early New York hardcore record are you walking away from and thinking that they were happy with that recording <laughs> uh, like they both sound broken like there's something wrong like the, the, the masters were in the wash beforehand I don't know I, the first they're both I really like both those recordings, to be honest. But uh, that the, I guess the question is that you think the band was was sort of like shouldn't listen, have been happy with it, is what you're saying? I, I mean, the guitar tone on "Can't Close My Eyes" is really weird, and then this the the, the general muddiness of the Warzone seven inch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a beat. Like I, I get what you're getting at to a degree, but I like those recordings as as weird as they are. Probably because I associate with them with what the music is. But uh, I don't know. I like the way they both sound. I can't pick in that one. I really can't because I I like those records, both of them. Damien, do you have a hot take on this? I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like I, I like I know what you're saying. They're kind of like muddyish, but like. I imagine that was probably just a product of, uh, like, have they ever done like a remastered Warzone thing? Didn't they? They uh, like, re-recorded it at some point. They re-recorded they? for yeah, re-recorded um, victory. For the, yeah, yeah. yeah for the but like, I mean, like, but... have they ever done like it, like gone back and done a repressing with like new remasters of it? I don't. I don't think so. I'd no. like to hear if they did that because I, I wonder if it was just like shitty pressing shitty pr- test pressing you know approvals like all that kind of stuff because it's the first record any it's of those people one, have done yeah, yeah. and like it, I, like I, I would like to know if it was that or if it's because like it, that Don Fury sound is so iconic I can't think it's him it just w- with both those things the, the jump from record one to record two is bonkers yeah yeah like yeah. listening to the Warzone LP in comparison to the 7 inch like this is crazy, and same with the use of today to go from the, the, the can't close my eyes seven inch to break down the walls. The recordings are leaps and bounds. This is definitely yeah. a Chris Minacucci question, but how what what was like the demo situation like for either of bands leading into the seven inch? Do either of them have like extensive demos? That are you at? Are you, asking, are you asking if Warzone has extensive demos? Damon? I know, they, but I mean pre pre seven inch. Like, leading well, yeah, like Tommy yeah, Carroll. Right. That's the Tommy Carroll stuff. Yeah, but like, you might know a little song called "She Fucks yeah. for Drugs." Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I, mean, I guess like, I guess with them it's kind of not the same. But I imagine with Youth of Today, it's like first time being in the studio. You know? I think the Youth of Today demo is uh, what's on like Connecticut Fun. Oh, when they were like that, v- the violent. Oh, the, just the pre. That that's the a compilation. Yeah, or the twelve inch comp. Yeah, it's a twelve inch comp. Then that features, but I think the tracks on that, once again, someone will like, someone's very mad at me for this, but I'm pretty sure that's like their demo as, you know, as comp tracks on that. Yeah. I don't know, like, man, and, uh, I, I would be intrigued to hear like a cleaned up Warzone 7 inch. I wonder why that hasn't been repressed either. Maybe it's just lost. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I mean, I would, I would like to hear that, but so, I, I just, I wonder if it can be cleaned up. 
Uh, yeah, that's well. Like, who knows what happened to the recordings now? Right? They had to re-record it for victory. Maybe they wanted to. Maybe they agree with you about the recording not being what they wanted. <laughs> you could probably, yeah, you, know, you could just ask Walter. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not on it, but he would, he might know. I, I, um, yeah, but we can shoot him a text. Yeah, we can or call him like now ask, and try to get him in the call. Just ask, <laughs> yeah, ask Tim McMahon if he has like the reels or anything. Yeah, yeah, that would be Raleigh who has the reels too, right? So, that's yeah, like, probably. It, it, there was like this. Uh, it's like if if there's like a hardcore punk thing you're wondering, chances are there's like a person out there who knows that answer because they've acquired the uh, the necessary evidence for your query. You know? Yeah, I'm just thinking like Cooch owns the Field of Darkness reel. So if anyone had any questions about like, you know, are there extra songs? Like what else happened? In like blah, blah, blah. you can find that out. You know, people know. <laughs> do you do you remember that uh like '90s Connecticut band Broken. Oh, kinda. The uh, singer of Broken is who drew the cover art for Connecticut Fun. Whoa. Yeah. He also. Who owns a, that art piece now? Who? who, who I don't know. What private gallery is that hanging in? But uh, he, yeah, he drew that cover art, and he, like, when he when when uh, Jordan would go away, he would, you know, check the the Revelation Connecticut PO box. And uh, he's also someone that I believe told me that he ordered the Urban Way seven inch in the mail. Whoa! Yeah, he's a good dude. Like a super scary looking guy who's like ultra nice. I have like some like, weird letter from a, like a, on like BYO uh, like letterhead that's from Pusshead. That, like he it looks like he was like answering their metal, their like mail when they were on tour or something. Or Brian Schroeder. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how yeah. I know him as. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. My buddy. <laughs> But it's like it's so weird that it's like came it came I bought it at a thrift store and I'm like pretending like I ordered it when it came out through the mail. Was that just in the the, the Pusset art section, like just the handwriting sample? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not even the handwriting. It's like a typed letter. It's like a newsletter. Oh, Fuck, okay. Dave, I'll go get it. It, it does, his like letter that he included doesn't come with like three different colors pieces of paper. No, it's before it's like, <laughs> before he realized the marketing genius of that. Um, yeah, yo, that's crazy. When you look on Discogs. You want a you want a, a surefire way to get gold? Buy Pusshead Records. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had I had the, uh, the 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 full speed head seven inch and the Devoid of Faith uh, ten inch at one point in my collection. As far as a heavy that, hitter Pusshead record, that thing's probably worth the, like a thousand dollars now, dude. The Devoid of Faith ten inch. Oh fuck! The insert I left downstairs. Okay, well, forget it. I'm not gonna be able to find that one now. Uh, is it this thing? Oh yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. Okay, here it is. Yeah, there's a letter from like the BYO newsletter, and it's written by Brian Pusshead Schroeder. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and so it like it says like I guess like I haven't read this in years, but I think I remember him saying like. That they were on tour, and so he was like doing this for them while they were on tour. What record is this in? My copy of the Aggression LP that I bought at Who's Emma. The only, oh. the only rare, rare, like rare, but the only kind of cool collectible record I ever got at Who's Emma. Huh. And uh, Damien, that record's not a thousand dollar record. It's only four hundred and fifty four dollars. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> only the the thing that's crazy that is a thou- almost a thousand dollars, not a thousand dollars, but like once again, like hundreds of dollars is like, like 
like the devoid of faith police line split on there. It's like yeah, I never had that one. I just got it because Cooch bought a bunch from Pusshead because Pusshead apparently had a a couple that he was selling at a show recently, just for thirty <laughs> bucks each. <laughs> All right. I'm telling you, Pusshead. I would love that's some guy. I would love to go to their house and just be like, dude. Just, do you have any just garbage? Like, what kind of crap are you throwing away? Do you have anything you just <laughs> scrubbled on? Like, <laughs> what's this? You need this? Can I have, take this home? It's a shopping list? Oh, I got. I need this. Okay. Yeah, it's got like a like a die cut of each of the things he's buying <laughs> mixed in with it. <laughs> Everything's got skulls. Yeah, yeah. All the packaging design has skulls. It's like brownies, two bite brownies with a little skull on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did did I ever tell you about the time I met Pusshead? No. Nope. You... No. No. So I, I was when I was on tour with the Cynics. Um, we had some days off, and I went to San Francisco to hang out with Mike Lavella from Half Life. Mm-hmm. You know, he had moved to San Francisco, and so it was just. Um, around had to go to the post office and you know um you know lavella at the you know <laughs> at two and uh, it, and so we're office we're in line and i turn around look at some kind of wearing a midget shirt of you know um uh the back you know though with the eyeball the buying you know and so I, I was like, Mike, you, you know that dude? <laughs> and he turns around and he goes, oh, that's Pusshead. Pusshead was wearing so his own shirt? He was wearing he his own rocking his... Of course. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's kind of cool. That's a bold move, though, if you want to get recognized. <laughs> Dave, are you there? You got yeah. 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 If, if if he wasn't wearing the weird, like, discharge face jeans, I wouldn't recognize him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the septic death pants. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I would, I, he's the one I would, you know, I've never met. He's come up on the show a lot. Uh, would, but I definitely have tried to draw like him since I was probably about 15. You know, like a kid. We got like more skulls, more eyeballs, more, more. He did. He did art for Toronto. There's like a few Canadian bands he did art for too. Yep. Okay, let's move on. Uh, next, next subject. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's. Should we? Uh, I, th- I think we should resurrect, if be, albeit briefly, the uh, the minor SST debate which took place yesterday, because I feel it speaks to the point. Okay, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think in the episode, Damien said that there weren't 15 good releases on SSD. 15? Did I say 15? <laughs> I think at first it was 15. And I, you often, no, yeah. you said 10. You said 10. <laughs> you said 10. <laughs> well, I was performing for the crowd. I was healing up for the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I said, I yeah. say 50. 50. Yeah. I'm going to say 5-0 is my number, my magic number for yeah. SST. And, and I mean, fifty is a lot. With, but fifty out of five hundred, fifty like is one. a lot. Well, the thing we we ultimately decided that if you had like a bowl 
of all the Slapham records and then a bowl of all the SST records and you reached in, are you more likely to pull out a crappy one in an SST bowl or in a Slapham bowl? And I was well, saying the thing 101. Is, you're, Sorry, go. I think for Slapham, there's not nearly the catalog. Ooh, oh. So you'd have to do with like like Discord. Yeah, some, I mean, something else there's a, a lot of. Yeah, like you're right, but like you know, I, I think all labels, you know, eventually, I, I would say Discord. I think even even Discord, you'd have a, you'd have a better chance of pulling out good records the whole way through than with SST. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, but there's so many highlights and so many heavy hitters. Yeah, absolutely. Just, absolutely. I mean, you can't, you know, you. It's the most important label of all time. Take it back. I, I take it back. To, I dial it back a little bit. I take it back to the point that I say there's 50 good records on the label. Um, but, like, like, there's a lot of bad stuff. And I, and I felt <laughs> as a kid, I was more likely to wind up buying one of the bad records. Maybe it was just the time I got into the label, which is, the you know, not a great period, than I was, you know, to find a copy of... Uh, you know, uh, the Dick's record or something. Yeah, I guess like the the '90s SST releases were not not. But hard. I mean, in the in the '90s, you should have been going towards like Cruise as the yeah. You know, that would be a little better, I guess. Yeah, I don't think I I don't think I uh, you know because it was you know once again it's you know the history that you get and dribs and drabs. At that point, like, you know, pre-internet, pre-being able to kind of put all the pieces together very quickly. So I was like, okay, SST, great bands on this label. Like, you know, it's not like a label goes bad ever. Like, why would a label start putting out bad records? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. That's no. a great question. <laughs> so, 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 Do you think there's, there are labels that ever intentionally, like, just try to lose the audience? Oh, God. If yeah. any label... If any label did, it's SST. No, you know, no offense, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah like I'm sure there's a point at almost every label where it's like, should we put this out? And it's like, yeah, why not? Like, and that's the point where it's like, yeah, it's gonna be a weird, weird run from here on. <laughs> Do you think it was a hard sell when SST lost the Greg Ginn solo records to Cruise? I wonder how that worked. Like, it was he just like, he's like, I don't trust myself at all. <laughs> like, I gotta, like, I can't. Uh, not with my I need solo imp- records. I need a real label. I need an imprint for my solo <laughs> records. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Why, why did he do that? Like, I was just, I'm just now looking at the cruise discogs and it's like, he put out Greg Ginn dick. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> why, why wasn't that just on SST? <laughs> maybe he's embarrassed of it. He's like, I don't maybe he felt it. The perfect well, Yeah, maybe. Or he was just like, you know, this is the closest to the chemical people that I've ever come. Yeah. So yeah. I got to be there. <laughs> yeah. All, all of the Greg Ginn releases, so to speak, appear to be on cruise, which is weird. Maybe he couldn't get signed. It. He couldn't get signed. Like they were like, "You go put out a couple records on cruise. If they do well, we'll talk about yeah. coming up to the SST." He couldn't get out of the gone contract, so he had to start putting <laughs> them out under a, a unique name. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sorry, dude. These are airtight. 
Dave Martin, did you ever see the Gone music video? I won't say what song. I'm it's sure called, I, I don't know. It's it's like them like with like like in Ferraris like just like driving around. I I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't I don't necessarily remember it. Jay Maskis it's, and Thurston Moore were watching their like royalties go racing around in that video. It's like in a pre YouTube world. Um, I remember buying a VHS tape off some trade site to get the slip it in music video, the drink, the, uh, drinking and driving music video. Yeah. And then like a gone, I mean, I don't think I, I didn't buy it for the yeah. gone, so to speak, but that was also on the same tape. Much music yeah, it was in Toronto used to show yeah. that. It's like show all those videos. Did you ever see that Chris when they would show that stuff? I don't recall the Gone one at all. I've never seen it. But I've seen the, the, the Gone one they have in the library, but they had they must have bought that tape and got the license. They had some crazy shit from SST. They had a three-camera show of Black Flag playing that was somehow licensed from SST. They also had a three-camera Dead Kennedy show that was licensed from Alternative Tentacles. Like they shot it and somehow got licensed to broadcast it back in the day. Wait, so the Black Flag one, was, is that's part of your Canadian archive that will never see the light of day, or yeah. is it? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And it's incredible. Because I have, I have a lot of Black Flag VHS tapes. Who am I kidding? But, uh, like, you know, like I have, like, one of the, like, the, the Live 84 one, and there was that, like, that British one that was pretty popular. Blanking on the name of that there's, company, there's, but there's ta- you definitely have seen this footage because there's like a couple songs that are out there because Much Music would broadcast some of them, but they have a whole show of it. Um, I thought they filmed it though, so you were alleging that they. Yeah, I was gonna say because like when you said it was whatever licensed from SST, I thought you meant like it had been whatever filmed previously and then just like given to them no they filmed the whole show but then somehow got like SST to license them for broadcast the footage like with like all the stuff so they could show it as music videos yeah I mean yeah I I mean you know that's I'm sure it was like yeah well you know we're gonna pay for filming all this and you know work out some weird deal where you know and and much music were probably you know we're probably like oh well we own it you know mm-hmm. something like that like you know no band today would have to make that deal but at that time you were like that's the way it is well there's there something weird on the alternative yeah. tentacles one like they were allowed to show it but they had to put on something about no like there was like no censorship like there's like a specific key it's like very it was like written on the VHS tape master tape. That was like you had to put on the video so they'd be allowed to have this license to broadcast it. Hmm. So, yeah, there's like that that archive. My God. Yeah, there's Just lots of good stuff. Wasting away. The Black Flag one is Slip It In era, and the footage I've seen is them playing Slip It In, but it's like, you know, long haired Henry Rollins. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who was playing bass in that video, though. It would be Kira. Yeah, it would be yeah. Kira. But I, I don't recall vividly that committing to memory so maybe but it must have been yeah because the angle yeah. I'm, I'm picturing i don't think you see her but like yeah uh but like yeah there's a there's a whole show that Unreal. yeah it's great um but yeah that's not not there but yeah so i agree sst essential label maybe <laughs> almost as essential as slap a ham 
And then, <laughs> I like that like, Damien's <laughs> reluctantly agreeing that SST is an essential label. <laughs> <laughs> this is classic Damien right now. No, yeah. I would have always agreed it was an essential I mean, label. I'm just not saying every release on it is essential. <clears throat> no, but like... Well, what, imagine what if label? you found somebody who said that. Yeah. <laughs> what, about... About any label? One well, label no, with well, like a real volume of releases, like more than 20, is all gold. Slap him. <laughs> Not all gold. Not all gold. Painkiller. Uh, I would say, definitely say not all gold on painkiller. And I think even painkiller would say not all gold on painkiller. Uh, how many records Either are you walking out? This lock and out isn't all gold. There's no. more gold on painkiller. Uh, painkiller, yeah. not that, like, so not the, some of the early ones. And I love that label. Um, and then we'd have to go back, but I don't know. I think every label has has like whatever eras, if you will. But it's difficult to have a whole run. It's hard to in Slapaham. I no, it's not all. You mean every label is going to have their Benum Dukes of Hazard split? <laughs> yes, exactly. Benum song's okay on that. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't think I've. I debatably have never heard this particular record. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, now, now you guys have me like agonizing over like a flawless label. Well, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It would only if it were. It would be like. Flawless label, it doesn't count because the only ones to me that come to mind are ones that only released like, you know, under 10 records. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's got to be like 20 records or more. Yeah, exactly. So like that, I don't know, but. Okay, you know. I got I got one. I got one. I just want to check the Discogs to see how many records there are because it's probably way less than 20, but no, I got to. Um, Okay, I'm curious what you're going to pull out here. This is going to be a good one. Uh, is okay. it victory? Yeah, victory. <laughs> victory. No, I was going to say, how many records are there on the Plurex label from Holland? I think. Oh, uh, there's not enough, right? Uh, oh, there's a lot, but I think some of these might be double entries. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, but now. Now they've got all these comps on it. This I don't care comp that you love so much, Dave Martin. Yeah. It. Um, okay, the tapes from '78. That record's sick. Tits, sick. Molesters, sick. Filth, sick. Mini pops, sick. Mumbles, sick. Z pops, <laughs> sick. Mini pops, sick. Twinkies, sick. Band and instruments, do not know. Paul Tarando, sick. The Young Lions, don't know. Interior again, don't know. Mini Pops again, sick. John Vaughn, the group of Vaughn. There's another Young Lions? Yeah, like a Dutch one, huh. apparently. I don't know this Weird. band. Um, and I don't know about this. Okay, I'm, I, maybe I'm going to back off on my assertion right now. Because <laughs> yeah, see, it's hard. I'm in the, I'm in the weeds already. <laughs> <laughs> when aren't you in the weeds? Oh um, well, yeah, like if I'm lucky, I'm always in the weeds. But I mean, like right now, I I think I'm out of my depth on this Plurex conversation. Oh wow, Dave Thomas and the Pedestrians and and Richard Thompson LP was on Plurex. So by '83, we're sick. Sick. Yeah, sick. You know? <laughs> I might. I don't know. <laughs> so 
what uh, what next point? I think we need to kind of move off to the oh. other guests. Give them some uh, time here. Yeah. Well, we can we can go into uh, in- integrity as discussed yeah. by a very quiet to hard to hear Andy Capper. <laughs> One thing that we didn't mention the second time around, which I want to make sure we get out again because it was irritating, was that stupid noise that you hear in the recording, which is that idiot's phone going off the entire time, yeah, the disgruntled true. employee, which we railed on pretty hard yesterday and we'll probably won't do as good a job today. However, uh, for anyone listening, that yeah, does no, fuck that guy. Yeah. He was the fucking worst. And, uh, that's what you're hearing, and that's what we're kind of making fun of with the wolf eyes thing, and he didn't get it, and he sucks. Meredith, so, uh, Meredith called him out too a little bit. It was uh, which did was it on the? Did you cut that out or? No, I don't remember hearing it. It's, it's there. No, no, it's there's some blast of noise just randomly in the, uh, you know. I cut yeah. some of it out too, but like, yeah, no, he was, he definitely had some uh, some stuff to get off his chest that day through his cell phone ringtone and apparently <laughs> big fan of Japanese noise music because that's the weirdest <laughs> fucking ringtone yeah. I've ever heard yeah and it was ridiculously loud yeah uh, I guess um, should we? what should we do now move on to the next point or yeah whatever Who, whoever uh, wants to take one I guess from the others okay who's going to take uh, one I was just going to you know you guys did discuss integrity I'm not sure if you want to talk about integrity at all yeah, like I, I like you know. I think that's my Andy and my original bond was that we both love this band and really like, really have an appreciation for you know. And and it was like time when it wasn't like as in vogue to love this band, you know. And he was like someone that I just met, and we we're both like this band. And he gave me like I remember him buying like some super expensive rare integrity shirt and he just gave it to me when I went to his house one time he's like I want you to have this and I'm like wow <laughs> thanks man he's like yeah just take it mate just wear it it doesn't fit me I want you to have it mate and I like and it's just been like and we, that was really like a, you know not the like he gave me a gift and then we were friends but like I definitely remember that being like wow I'm so touched that he bought this shirt and you know he's giving it to me and like it was an integrity shirt we bonded over a mutual love of integrity and I'm sure what he actually probably responded, maybe, even, I don't know, so, I should ask him, but what he responded with fucked up originally were the photos of me wearing integrity shirts. Because that was like, I would always wear integrity shirts every time fucked up played a show for the first year, two years. So, but hold on, we have to go back a second. So, but at one time, Andy Capper bought a shirt that was big enough to fit you. He bought a double XL <laughs> integrity shirt. he bought it for shirt. him. Dude, there are some incredible purchases that Andy's made over the years. <laughs> Tupac, the Tupac album in the photo for one. Yeah. Tupac relies on me uh, at the New York show, yes. Now, was that, is that record, is it, how many, is it, is it, it was more than a double LP, right? It's like it's quadruple. We should. I'm gonna look it quadruple. up. Quadruple. So, so the theme is that like he's just into excess. Yeah, he wants four records. He wants a double XL. Shots fired and fucked up. Also, for putting out those like short records. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah. you know, you haven't heard our new shit, Dave. We got it in the lab. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple of years since we put out an album. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, also, confirmation via the resource. It is most definitely a four by 
12 inch. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the horror? Like, I mean, I guess if you obviously LP would be the ultimate way to listen to it because it wouldn't keep playing. But oh my God, how brutal. Four albums. That's, I don't know. I think, I think like, you know, there's like, to me, if we're talking about like records that there's, or things that there's no way people listen to, Throbbing Gristle Suitcase. The briefcase that comes with like every Throbbing Gristle live recording ever, and the Merzabau suitcase with Merzabau, like every Merzabau recording. Like, is it called the Mer- It's called the Merz box, I believe. Merz yeah. box, yes. yeah. Which comes with a Merzdalian as well. Yeah. How many? How many? Mer- <laughs> how many? Are they just talking in Smurf? <laughs> I'll have a very mercy day for you. Huh? <laughs> well done. <laughs> but like, how 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 uh, how many records are in the Merz box? Oh God, oh, it's something ridiculous. It's, yeah, I'll look yeah. it up right now. What I was going to say to Dave Martin really quickly is the four by LP or twelve inch rather, I guess. Thing is, is more common I've noticed in like hip hop. LP terms, so to speak. But I was even looking at some others, and you're right. Yeah, All Eyes on Me is particularly long. Like, even Life After Death by Biggie wasn't. For yeah, it's like a rancid record. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how many 10 inches that would have been. Like, yeah, like, like thousands. <laughs> if the, the only thing that could up the MERS box to even bigger would be if it were all 10 inch or 5 inch records. Dude, someone's got to boot like that on a vinyl. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm trying to scour here <laughs> for this thing. Uh, it's going to take me a minute, but I, it, there's 16 pages of entry, so I feel like I'm going to have a hard time here, <laughs> to be perfectly. Is, is this a compilation? I think so. I don't really know the classification. How many it, compilations has this guy been on? Oh, 222. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Damien, I do have to ask, do you have the rancid seven inch box set? No, I want to get it. Cause it's got some killer. Like I want to get the, there's two rancid records. I really want the C and D sides compilation and that box set. Well, now I'm confused. The box set, isn't it just, is it's not every rancid song. No. It's just every record broken into seven inches. No, I think it's even. I don't even think it's that. Is it? Like I thought it was just like certain ones in the forty-five. Or is it just one of their records that's fifty-seven inches or no. whatever? No, it's it's forty-six seven inches. Yeah. Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> Do you think at certain the points they're like the show. like you're just listening to all your test presses to make sure they're okay? There's no way. They listen to all 46 of those and be like, yeah, these are good. That is actually when you hire someone to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> so to no, here, they got it right here. Let's look yeah. right here. There's like, oh. and Uncle the Wolves. You're right. Maybe it's all the records on 45? I according think that's to, what uh, it is. According to the I've never theme, seen yeah. one open. According, I, to the, <laughs> according to the notes, this is truly the essentials in all caps. So... We probably should be buying this. I want this one. No, this is the one I want so bad. That B and C side. And it came with a baseball bat. Yeah. yeah. I want this B and C side. But does that seven exist? Inch seven, seven inches in this thing. What? The ba- rancid baseball bat? Um, oh, no, no. I've, I've held the baseball bat. It exists. Do you have this box set? Are you, are you, is this leading to you saying you're going to give me a copy of this box set? <laughs> no, but you know who, who does have it is Dean. 
from True Panther. Oh, real? Oh, yeah, definitely. East Bay Dean, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, it has everything you need except radio, radio, radio. So there's things missing <laughs> that that Slugface feels that this box set should have. <laughs> well, radio, radio. They, maybe that they couldn't put that in the box set because that's part of that writing is Billy Joe Armstrong's. He gets a writing yeah, credit. Yeah, and you know, don't you feel like you could slip one by him though? Like Billy Joe has to have better things to do than listen to all uh, you know <laughs> ninety uh, two sides of this to make sure that you know he's not getting he's getting his money's worth. I'm sure, he's, I, dude, <laughs> I mean, he's on the resource Billy? collection. Yeah, have you ever seen? The so movie? there's a video where he talks about his record collection, and trust me, it is worth watching. So Mer- you should uh, buy one of these, Damien. It's one hundred fifty dollars. You should just get one. <laughs> I'm trying to find the entry just for it. For for the Rancid box set? Yeah, where is the entry just for the Rancid box set? Just go to Rancid and then Compilations. It's there's three. 150 bucks? Yeah, that's like three three dollars a seven inch. You know what? I have birthdays. You guys can pull in. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what here's what we should all collectively buy aside from the Rancid box set that you're discussing. Uh, the MERS box, released in the year 2000 by Extreme, does in fact contain 50 CDs <laughs> <laughs> and two two CD-ROMs as well. And uh, it is median priced at $500. So, uh, yeah, in 5-inch and 10-inch records, hey, it would but- absurd. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it did also come with a MERS bow medallion. Oh, it's the there's like a photo. Like it has like a shirt and like it's there's a ton of things. But yeah, like the actual whatever the the, the recordings are fifty CDs. Uh, let me see if I can find out any, <laughs> uh, any of what you're discussing is is at least listed here. Yeah, you're what right. Bronze medallion, a large long sleeve shirt, poster, yeah, custom black case. So there you go. Imagine buying your Mersbo box. And then being like, oh, actually, do you have one of these in a medium? (laughs) (laughs) Here's where it gets crazier. They released them, this thing, in a thousand, like a thousand editions of this. There's probably like Like a, there's like a thousand people worldwide uh, that just have too much money. That's insane. Yeah, I guess, but that's just brutal. I mean, you know. the manufacturing cost on this must have been ridiculous. Like, I'm sure, I'm, sh- I'm sure that younger Murdoch or whatever, the dude who was involved in Rockets, he's he must have one, right? <laughs> I don't know. Either way, I feel like this is nowhere near the New York episode right now. <laughs> 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 Yo, uh, so if I'm uh, sorry, guys, I'm still caught on this uh, rancid box that you guys are buying me. So the one that I want, though, is the one that comes with this flexi. That's the exclusive flexi, um, and that one's about eight hundred. Well, that has ra- that has radio, radio on. I'm it. actually trying to find what's on the flexi right now, Dave. If you give me a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know where's the where's the flexi listed. Chris, how can I find this Mersbo box set on Discogs? Because I want to look at just, this. If you just type in Mersbox, so M E R Z B O X, and it comes up. I think the way I feel is on the Flexi, not radio. 
I don't know, but I can't seem to find the listing for what's just like on the flexi. This none of these ha- come with a bat though. I think the bat's like an even specialer edition. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Dean got the bat, so yeah. yeah. I should I should hit up Dean and see if he wants to uh, part with. Well, that. if only you knew somebody in the band to ask. I know. If only. If only. But like, you know, like you know what it's like hitting up a band member for a record. It's like <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, uh, yeah, there, there's a few fucked up records I've never seen. Yeah, nor have I. That have come out over the last <laughs> yeah. year. So, same here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering where my copy of uh, Mother May I or whatever is getting coming to me. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, we, we pull back the curtain too much sometimes. Um, Let's go. Uh, okay. next point. Uh, well, should we move on to Walter? We've kind of talked about Walter here and there a little bit. Yeah, we talked about uh, Walter here and there. But I, I love Moondog and uh, awesome hot dog place uh, that none of us knew about. Yeah, we to, to yeah, try to read. I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, Dave, do you remember it? I, I can't remember when it would have even like. By the time I moved to New York, I don't remember that place being there. No, I don't remember there being, but I mean, I, I wonder what era this was, because if the, if it was, it could have been eighties, and I wasn't hanging out, so to speak, in yeah. New York at that point. Poser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, um, someone had to say it. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that first time that I came to New York, I don't think I ventured, you know, more than like you know, a hundred yards from CBGB's that day. I was just like, I don't know where I am. You know, what so. was your first TV show? Oh, it was that, uh, half life, uh, nausea, soul side. And I forget who else played diverse bill. So, Holy yeah, shit. Seriously. Well, what year? Yeah, very diverse. Like um, I'm going to say 87. I think. Crazy. Um, was it was it eighty six? Uh, was it Neil still on vocals or was it Al? For nausea. Who? What? For nausea. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What was the crowd like for that? Like, was it like, like what were the the people there for it like? You know, I don't know. It was there were lots of people. It was, um, you know, I bought an urban waste test pressing outside off of uh, uh, that T-shirt Tony guy from Ultraviolence. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You're kidding? There was, you know, no, I'm totally. Uh, 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 the twelve-inch repress. Oh, the 12 oh. Inch, okay. I was gonna say, Dave. yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> we're like, don't we're get like, too, where, don't where get. What? Don't get too excited. We're like the twelve, wait. the twelve inch repress, please. Well, because it would be like two I, people I, that have come the on the twelve inch. At, 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 well, I had the twelve inch. I got it at Bleaker Bob's. A test press? No, just a just a generic regular person press. Well, because Walter has the test press of the seven. Yeah, you know. Does he still though? Yeah, dude. Do, 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 do the Walter episode? He talks about. It. He's never gotten rid of any of his records. He's still got all that shit. Yeah, yeah. He still has them all. I gotta go. I gotta go to his house one day and like just trade him. Like, be like, dude, this is the best Moondog album, and then trade him Moondog records for his like Urban Waste records. Now, this um, yeah. 
Well, uh, you you did not include a strange flesh from Rhode Island also on that bill. Oh yeah, see, I, I, I couldn't remember, but yes, strange flesh. I, I don't remember them at all. I got that thing. June ni- Sunday, June nineteenth. It does not give yeah. a year, but you know. I, but yeah, the flyer is on the internet. We could probably triangulate. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I'm thinking it's eighty-seven, but um, I don't know. Do you remember? Was Strange Flesh for sure? Were Strange Flesh selling a seven-inch at that show, Dave? I'm. If they were, I did not buy one. Okay, well then it so, would have been post eighty seven, you know, because that seven inch came out in eighty seven. Yeah. Okay, let's move um. on. <laughs> this was like cereal for people that don't like exciting things. <laughs> um, as far as uh, to to try to stick with the original episode, um, I did enjoy Walter saying that Moon Dog was a combination of Blast and Madonna. And I thought that was <laughs> with, with the various expressions. It's yeah, it's definitely definitely kind of true. You know, he's a very charismatic person. Like if he if he used his powers for evil instead of good, he could have been a cult leader or something. <laughs> he he seems like way too chill. Yeah, to be a cult leader. No, that's what I'm saying. If he used his powers for for evil instead of good, you know, like if he was a bad person as opposed to being a good person. Cause I will say like for like, you know, and, and we've all been around it. There can be people who've achieved way less than he has that have let it go and pickle their brains in a severe way. And for like a guy who's kind of like done it over and over again in different genres as in, in punk and stuff to still be as like laid back and just, chill and, and humble and just kind of like whatever as he is, is like I don't know, I'm impressed by it because God knows I'm not like that. And he's also someone who's always been the band guy for the most part. Other Like, Youth of Today might be like the most he's not like steering the ship. Yeah. But he, he never had like his Todd Youth like, hey, I'm in Danzig now, you know, like he, yeah. he was always like, it's always a Walter centric project. Mm-hmm. So that's another like cool thing about Walter, not to, you know, not the slag Todd youth by any stretch, but you know, he was, it never seemed like he had like a hired gun period. Yeah. Like it maybe his war zone, like when he was in war zone, Walter, I mean, yeah, yeah. But like, but they, they both were in war zone. Yeah, I they guess. both were all, yes. yeah. I know, I know. But I mean like Walter's period in war zone was like his hired gun moment where he was just like, cause he yeah, talks but, about just being around long for the ride for that sort of thing. Well, yeah, but that's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think they were successful enough yet for it to be, to be quote yeah. unquote hired gun. gun. That's true. That's, that's uh putting, you know, I don't think any money exchanged hands in, in that regard. <laughs> um, and did, did Walter play on anything for Warzone? The comp stuff, right? I thought he played on the comp, yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, the way it is. That's like, one. Yeah, I think that's just uh, that's it. And he he has a writing credit, I think, with them too. But I might be mistaken <laughs> on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think yeah, like I've always, you know, I'm he's one of those people that I find super. I find anyone like you know like in, in Ian McKay's like this too, where like, you know, you do something, you take it to such a point that band stops and then you manage to do something kind of completely new and 
take it somewhere completely different. Obviously, he didn't run a label and keep it like his DIY with Fugazi, but like I think like if there was like a a, a more modern equivalent of the jump from like Gorilla Biscuits to Quicksand, like I guess a past version of that would be Myers Threat to Fugazi. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as like a departure, and I guess like pr- probably very it's from the sounds of it, very similar reasons. You know, yeah. And we did we talk about oh, who was I? Yeah, I guess we did talk about this yesterday and, and stuff. But like we were talking about the ABC No Rio scene yesterday, mm-hmm. and people that like crossed over, and like Walter's like one of those people. You know, from yeah, the I mean, because we had that email that we'll get to, but yeah, you did it did get discussed. Yeah, but he was like from the old scene, and he like you know went over to this ABC No Rio scene. Like I imagine it would be like a. You know, like a like a like you know the equivalent of Ian Mackay to DC at that time, like backing away from this scene that he had, he had been such a big part of and going towards this like new young kid scene. You know, like I imagine like him walking over there. That's like a a big big figure at the time. But the weird thing is, but that he like kind of dipped his toe into it. Yeah. But then then Quicksand signed to Polydor. Yeah. Yeah, so but, I mean, he dipped his like, toe in it. I mean, like, but like, you know, dipped his toe in it. Like, obviously, politically, didn't go the whole way as far as the DIY thing. But I mean, like, sonically, and it just like as far as removing himself from the old scene. You know, like I think in that regard, it was like the step away. That started with yeah, yeah. I mean, because because I guess you know in the in looking at like holes in his his life. It's like, well, what was he doing? Cause slip came out in 93. Mm-hmm. Like what was Walter doing in like 91? I guess we, we the grill biscuits are still going yeah. that far. Yeah. Okay. And then Moondog for like a second. And then Moondog actually transitions as a quicksand. There's like Moondog flyers where it was quicksand playing. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, I guess that's his like, Hey, he didn't really ever have, you know, like a time where since he was like a teenager that he wasn't in like a band. Yeah. Cause like, that's one of the things like, you know, like there was obviously the, the commercial success, but it's weird to think about like that, like that's what he lives off of. But I guess some of those bands were, you know, like rival schools was sort of popular and yeah. And he works like he does like that's, he also like, isn't a guy who's just waiting for the next reunion kick around with this band like he started like a million projects like chris o'toole like chris like that's the thing chris like knew him better than i did chris was the guy who introduced me to him um and like earlier on and around that time but he had like what were like he had two or three different records he was working on around that he was coming off of yeah like the walking concert record which was a short-lived band it seems it's a great Mm -hmm. record actually um but he had stuff that never came out i remember him telling us about that just like just never saw the he has a whole record that my friend recorded of his that has never come out um so yeah he's he's got a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. he's always working it seems he probably got some some coin for the uh the killers song for his uh his his remix <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah D- Damien found these one day too we were looking up like that stuff one of these footnote episodes yeah there's some funny weird <laughs> production credits and stuff yeah, we probably got some money for the being on the uh, Empire Records soundtrack. Yeah, you know, got a little bit of a little bit of money for that and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he was always doing stuff. 
Yeah, he's always doing stuff. He works, you know. I was so, that's the thing that I was so excited about is that he he exposed Steve Aoki as being the guy with Walter sings the hits, <laughs> which I think is like, you know, talk about something you would never, ever, unless you knew about the pickle patch and all that kind of stuff, associate is Steve Aoki with the Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as, as we talked about yesterday, like, I had no idea who bootlegged that, but I guess I never really like looked into it either. Yeah. And and then the, the, to recap, it was also asked if I preferred that, and I do not. I yeah. prefer start today. That was like a hot take opinion, though, as I mentioned yesterday. And like the like, as soon as that kind of became accessible on the internet, it was like people being like, "Oh, I like Walter's version better." Yeah, and it's it's got just to, to be cr- yeah contrarian. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, but I, I prefer the. No, and I think if, version. And I think if Walter had tried, like, you know, like, obviously that's a demo for, like, a scratch vocal track. But, like, if he was, like, trying and actually, like, applying himself, I think I would love to hear that. You know, but, like, I think that's, like, you know, it's not what that was. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess, you know, I mean, that might have been his, his first failure. And then they had to do it correctly. What, Walter's? I was just making a girl oh. skits joke. Yeah, I got, I got, I kind of <laughs> got it, but I'm like, yeah. you know something that I don't know about this recording session, like some deep. No, cut. no, no. Uh, I guess uh, <laughs> from uh, from there we. Uh, I guess do you want to talk more about Walter? Anyone? Anyone other points? Um, as I'm far good. as as far to to comment on things. Um, in that episode, you talked about like the New York hardcore having like a trademark sound, mm-hmm. and I thought that that it was funny that no one brought up the like the controversy in the mid '80s about Anthrax trying to trademark the, the New, New York, York hardcore. hardcore logo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like it was wow, like a big seems- deal, right? Like it, like it was. I, which I can't imagine like being bold enough to be like, "Yo, let's copyright this." No one's gonna get pissed. Uh, Yo, the heads that they pissed yeah. off were not the ones you wanted to piss no. off either. No, no, <laughs> it's like. But uh, I mean, I don't think I think Anthrax. Like once again, you know, when you have Charlie Benante on here or something, he can answer this. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I feel like they like really tried to be like, yo, we weren't trying to do that. And I think what it could have been, if I'm going to just guess, is that like they had that in their artwork, and I think by copywriting like the not man artwork you inadvertently copyrighted the new york hardcore logo mm-hmm. and gotcha. i think that, that i don't think, I, I don't think they were trying to like take credit for new york hardcore I, or management i'm gonna too. take a guess and uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna pass the buck to management which mm-hmm. is what they would prefer me to do um and say some manager was like yeah we're copyright that all like yeah. you know without really <laughs> thinking about anything like OG like patent trolls, like yeah, it, like that's they viewed that as their job. Like you guys don't need to worry about this. I got it. Don't worry. Go, you know, go meet with Billy Milano. I got go to this. The, you yeah. guys go get some jams, and we'll handle yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Here's the question: Does anyone own the copyright on it now? Has anyone copywritten it since? 
Um, I'm not going to try. Yeah. Even if it was like, a, you know, a suggestion to me to purchase on Amazon, I'd be like, pass. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm asking legitimately. Like, did, I've never heard of anyone having done it. I would say the only people I could see, uh, it would probably be in the hands of Jimmy Gestapo or, uh, or like, Mini Stigma. Mini Stigma. One yeah. of like one yeah. of the like the true heads. Of, yeah, of I would assume so, but I just wondered if anyone heard any tales that it actually had been since or whatever. But anyway, out of fear for this scenario is what I'm saying. I imagine they wanted, I imagine they had to sign that over to that someone. So it probably is copyrighted by someone now. Uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, you know, it's the it could never ever hold up. But no. go for it. Yeah. Uh, as far as court, I, I just went to a, a course on like, uh, like wide area searches for my job, and it was like all on like there was a whole focus on like during like a lot of the Katrina stuff, and like you know like making sure that houses were searched that there was like people trapped and all that, mm-hmm. and the 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 search markings are an X with like things filled in on all the sides, and the whole time yeah. I was just thinking about New York hardcore. <laughs> yep. but, uh, I think the other like total cowboys in that class were not thinking about that, but no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. isn't it like uh, it's, really gr- it's really grim though, isn't it? Re- representing like fatalities, stuff like that. It's like it's like your initials and time you went in, like your agency and the time you went in, the time you went out, like number dead, number alive, and like maybe like if there's any hazards. I don't know. I think that's what. It was. Gotcha. It's actually not really that relevant to what I do, so I, I didn't need to learn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't have to worry about people, do you, Dave? No, and and like I'm always in those situations. I would be like a secondary agency where they're like, "Hey, we got the people, but there's still like a bunch of snakes in there." Then I'll go do that. Oh God, that, okay. that, that was like terrifying adventure. Yeah, that's a terrifying like tragedy you're to think about the snake invasion. It's like. They killed all these people, but they're still in the house. Yeah, I mean that's uh, uh, we we like cleared out like a whole neighborhood from a flood, and there was only one house that we had to take snakes out of, so it was fine. How many? It snakes was mostly were dogs. I was like two or three, like it wasn't that many, oh, but it's still yeah. They had a, a ton of dogs, like because they had like a mom that had puppies, and oh. then like a couple other ones. Yeah. And they were all these are these are live oh. things. These aren't dead things, so it's not oh. bad. It's fine. Oh, okay. They're oh, god, okay. Yeah. Phew. Yeah. I thought you were telling like the most <laughs> no, tragic, don't. horrific story, Dave, and I'm like, uh, how are we gonna keep this in the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that that's a whole nother I could do that all day. But I I don't yeah. This no one your, wants those. This is your saving I, I can puppy end up, stories. Yeah. I can cr- I can just bring the level down in a party real quick. <laughs> well, I can bring the level of this podcast down real quick by saying that this has been a long time. We still got a lot more to get to. So okay, should we Could you jump yeah. forward? Any more Walter stuff? Um, no, anyone? Uh, I'll, I mean, I could talk more, but I'll yeah, just, no, I think in the spirit of of the listener, I'll move forward. Yeah, like I think um, he will be back for more parts, uh, definitely, because he. I love talking to him. I love, I love just, uh, I love seeing, seeing, uh, seeing the guy uh, light up a room, light yeah. up that room. All right, uh, Meredith Graves. Speaking of light up a room, uh, someone that I'm a huge fan of, uh, been a friend of for a while now. One of the early guests, probably the most popular guest ever on this show. Certainly 
most critically acclaimed guest or episode ever on this show. Uh, but since then, like, you know, not really playing music anymore now become like, uh, well this year, like a, a, a viral video kind of sensation with her chance, the rapper Beyonce interaction that she did, but an MTV, uh, reporter. Cause they don't, they're not VJs anymore. They're not throwing a videos. No, that, that would require music television to play music. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about this yesterday um, a little bit, but it's almost like yeah. these places have two different existences. One is like a broadcast version. Like if you watch MTV on TV, you'd be like, okay, yeah, like it's it's like these shows. I get it. But if you watch it online or you follow it online or on social media, it's a very politically active kind of organization run by the former editor of Punk Planet. In, in in 2017, where do you think Joe Biafra falls on his opinion on MTV? I'd be weird, wouldn't it? Like, I was thinking about this today. Like, how how could any label now be anti-corporation when everything is sold through giant corporations? Like iTunes, like Apple Corp. Like, you know, they get a piece of everything. Like, you know, all these, like, streaming services, all this stuff is all giant conglomerates now like you can't there's no independent mom and pop there are obviously independent mom and pop shops you know for for people but i mean like for the the vast majority of record sales and distribution it's through these like things yeah i mean yeah i mean we're we're all just living in the cover of the napalm death scum album at this point yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird how that happened in front of our eyes we just were like, I mean, even if you were like, okay, you know, fuck you, Apple, I'm not going to have an iPhone. And then you're like, oh, well, I don't really want one of those fucking say, you know, or if you were just like, I don't even want a smartphone. Yeah. You still have a phone that's made by some huge corporation. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, so, yeah. There's no artisanal I phone don't. makers yet. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but now that we've said it, hopefully, you know, very soon. I guess if you're a, if, uh, like a, a small mom and pop startup phone company, get at us and uh, you know, we'll give <laughs> exactly. it a, we'll we'll beta test that yeah. shit. <laughs> but like, yeah. but like, see you know. how it works at the gathering. <laughs> 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 but I, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, uh, I don't know, it, it's kind of sad to think about but like all these people like i wonder what they'd think about like mtv now where mtv is not the little guy being part of viacom but it's not like they're the big guy anymore in the same way they were when you know it was the enemy yeah i mean is is that just like a real depressing attitude that like (laughs) that like the conglomerates just one and dominated like it wasn't even close like yeah. it's just like this is you're 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 fucked and that's that's every everything you do is like a some horrible you know the the disrupt businessman guy yeah gets his money yeah but that's the thing is like it's you ever uh see you know not that i would tell anyone to watch this show because it's not i'm not a huge fan uh especially now but south park the walmart episode it's great yeah it's it's amazing because that's really what happened. It's like people are like, how do we stop these corporations? But like at the same time, people are just attracted to value. 
and they just want more shit. And so it's like, ah, oh, it's like, how do we stop Walmart? It's like, well, just no one shop there and you will stop it. They do not want to come to your neighborhood if no one's going to go there. But like, yet people eventually are just like, well, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. Like, you know, I'm like, fuck, I want to go buy this crazy zombie movie on DVD. And it's like, oh, it's five bucks at Walmart. Just walking through the wall of Walmart, buy it. You know, it's just like, you just can't help it. Because, well, not you, I mean me, because it's just, you know, and it's the same weakness that made everyone just be like, well, I don't, I can't just have one record. I want all the records right now. And then eventually it's, or it's just like shallow victories where it's like, you know, I don't shop at Walmart, but like I'll shop at like Target. It's like, is that really like any better? You know, it's just like the other one. Yep. Or, or iTunes or like, you know, like, and I'm not a dissing iTunes. Like that's where my music sold. Or like how like you know like there were there are legit punk labels that gave my band a ton of shit when we signed to various labels that we've signed to you know and not that we've ever signed to a major but like you know you know Matador or even Jade Tree you know and rightfully so in some cases but you know because maybe we got maybe we shouldn't have signed to some of these places but in in some cases like it's like and now I see these people and their labels have all their shit streaming on Spotify. And it's all for sale on iTunes. It's just like yeah, I mean, this, this. They can't. You can't not do they, it. Yeah, they can't all be test pattern or whatever. Put out. I think the third fucked up seven. <laughs> but, uh, um. <laughs> you mean Tim Molinari's label test pattern? Yeah, great test yeah, pattern yeah, records. Yeah. Also, the first yeah. think I care seven inch as draw blank records before changing yeah. to test pattern. Uh, but no, but I mean, like, you know, and all, my bands are on all these services, too, and I'm not talking shit about any of these places, because I I listen to my music, I, I enjoy listening to records on Spotify, as much as it hurts me to say that, uh, you know, or I, I, why am I saying Spotify? Any unnamed streaming service. Um, well, I mean, I mean, that's, that's so much, for me, personally, like, weird, like, 90s guilt, you know, like, I, I... Not like Dead Nation would have been, I, you know, no one from Cannonball would say that I was uh, famous, but like, <laughs> like I, you know, like when we had like even quasi label interests from like bigger labels, it, I would just get so uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, that it'd be like, oh, well, I can't do that. You know, like I, I can't be that. We'll get like a barcode on our record. You know, then, you know, then, then I won't be able to get like reviewed in MRR anymore. And like, for what, you know, like, I don't want to lose my punk credibility for, you know, for these numbers, you know, it's like, you know, and it's like, who fucking cares? Like, that's one of those, you know, the, the, the pedestal you'll put yourself up on that, like no one else. I mean, there's like, you know, there's definitely someone that thinks you, you fucked up and sold out. Oh, definitely. You, yeah. Me personally. (laughs) Yeah, and and me. I mean, yep. Do you mean I tear it up? Got shit for playing the showcase theater in Corona, and it's like this. Who cares? Like it's not like you know. It was just. Do we have a day off in in LA area? Or that was a time where it was like people were like, show. Well, that was also a time where it was like easy pass equals easy easy slavery, you know. Mm -hmm. And now we all have Google on our phones telling people where we are at any given time. You know, and we're just willingly do that. Like, you know, no one's questioning it anymore. You know? And, yeah, and I, I, I think bands, like every band uses like maps to get their ways to shows. You know? It's just, everyone's just kind of gotten in. 
I had I had multiple anti cell phone related comments and songs. Oh yeah, so did I. <laughs> thank God for them now though. When you need that discogs app when you're at a store. Isn't there one on the Dead Nation? Like when you sent me that Dead Nation, Dave, I believe I even wrote you back highlighting the one anti cell phone song or something. If I remember oh, correctly, cell phones would be like would were some Zach Morris shit at that point. It probably we we t- we slag America online. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. It was something like that. I, was, I remember being really amped because it was so like the the reference was so only that time, and it made it even better to hear if, like if, last if, year. <laughs> if you want a real earnest thing about that, also in the little talking part, the uh, the guitar player says ww dot, which is not <laughs> enough w's. But like literally, but literally, he didn't know. Yeah, like that's how like you know like. <laughs> Like when it was done, like it, it's it's three W's, but whatever, who cares? You know. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, yeah. I mean, there's so much of that that's just like, I, I guess that's kind of dated, but I don't know. I mean, at well, it's the time, dated. it was. You no, know, it's not dated because I think like that's like it's almost like that's what I think now everyone's realizing. Oh, we maybe should have been thinking like that the whole time. You know, like maybe we should have all been thinking like, oh, is this stuff all good? Like, is it going to be good that we're all going to be like, you know, really into our phones and like always able to take distractions with us like 24 seven? Like, is that a good thing? You know, I mean, that I mean, that's that's like a whole conversation. This is like like it becomes like how much do you can you shut it off? Like. Like, do you ever, like, go out for the evening and just leave your phone at home? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying, like, I'm not talking about me personally. I'm talking about as a society. You know? Like, I'm saying that you were right when you were a teenager (laughs) about the way we should have been living. You know? Like, now I think we realize, like, oh, we're, like, we're, like, so dependent on these fucking corporations now. Like, there's, like, opting out is way less conceivable now than it would have been in, like, 97. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that we as punk fought and lost. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was telling this on the other day. It's like it's hard to, like, it's hard to write lyrics right now because it's just like, are you going to write a record call, like called I Told You So? And be like, or like listen to Anti, like, Cymex or listen to Mebix? Like, just be like, you know, like, th- that's what you could call the album. Like, you know, we knew all along. D- Jello was right. <laughs> See, the hard thing to me about writing lyrics now is to not write songs about politics. Yeah. Because you feel like you're fucking up if, if, you, if you're just going to like act like that isn't going on around you. But yeah. then you also like, I don't know if I want to just be in a band that every single song is, is political. Mm-hmm. But like it's, like, it's so in your face every day with the 24-hour news cycle. There's literally just some other horrific thing that happened um whether it be you know like some crazy shooting or whether it just literally be the president of the country yeah just saying <laughs> something bonkers every single day we don't know what a president is up here by the way so i'm not sure what you're talking about he's like a prime minister but orange <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. yeah just checking yeah yeah it's 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 <laughs> and, and he has a shirt thankfully <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done, Dave Martin. Yeah. I uh I kind of think he uh I don't know, like it's maybe this is why all those like people are like oh fucking Reagan punks like every song was about Reagan, 
It's like, yeah, because it was kind of on people's minds, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. it's it might this is gonna be the Trump punks. God, I hope that term doesn't stick. Yeah, it's got it. <laughs> I hope it's just for a few months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's Pence butts. Yeah, I feel oh. this political discussion is relevant to uh, you discussing it under the Meredith Grave section. But uh, I do feel like we do need to talk about Tom Sharpling a little as well. I think we do. But I think one, just before we move on, I think that would have been a very – I could not imagine being in Times Square. Like it felt weird being in my house in Canada watching that happen. So I could only imagine what it was like in Times Square watching that happen. Yeah, when we were at a friend's house. and I, I don't remember if there was like pizza. There was definitely food. Yeah. And watching it. And then it became a like well, we're just going to go home. Like, uh, you know, like the partner of the person we were, you know, they lived together, but she just like went in the room crying. Like it was like, yeah, this is, this is bad, you know? And it was just like, it was crazy how like you could feel, I live in Austin. So ultimately I'm in like a, a, a a liberal part of a super bubble. I heard your, I heard your, uh, former governor once described it as the blueberry in a tomato soup. I, I can see that, yeah. Because right. I wouldn't like I I I love living in the city, so to speak. Um, uh, but I wouldn't I would not live like anywhere else in Texas at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and you 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 get it very obvious when you're at something that's like where they're bringing in people from other parts of the state, which I'll you know go to trainings and be like, okay, that's where someone will like refer to Bill Clinton as like a rapist or back when we had real presidents and things like that. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Well, that was the thing. I but, was, but yeah, you know, we could talk about that night. Whole, go on. Go. Yeah. That night though, it was just like, uh, the, like the, the news coverage really started to show the way the tide was turning. And it's like, yeah, let's just go home. Like let's, we don't need to be out anymore watching this. Like we can just go to bed. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. yeah, probably accurate. Yeah. Well, um, nothing like setting up a comedian with that kind of intro. Uh, I guess <laughs> we're talking about Tom Sharpley <laughs> next. Uh, it, it is uh, truly, uh, you know, like I, I, you know, I said this talking about John Worcester, but one of the key influences on me to do a podcast or to kind of get back into doing radio, broadly termed. Um, if that's what a podcast is, was, you know, hearing the best show and just being like, oh, this is so perfect. And also really kind of hearing them drop deep punk references on that show and realizing that these guys are punk and hardcore dudes before I'd even met them really kind of, uh, you know, emboldened this whole philosophy that's behind the show. So anyway, that's the Tom Sharpling setup. Uh, yeah, who, who all Tom Charling wants to do is just take shots at Dave Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. It was incredible live to be sitting there the whole time while that was happening. <laughs> he also has every record Dave Martin ever put out. Does he? I think that's what he told me, right, Dave? Yeah. He said he got most of them. That wouldn't make sense. I mean, I might... I might have even sent eighteen wheel or some like, you know, copies. I don't. I don't know. How big was eighteen? It's not like I put a lot, of, a lot of records. Sorry. 
I, you know, it's hard to say. I think just by you know his location, mm-hmm. he had distribution through Dutch East India, which is I think where I got them. You know, and uh, and then maybe maybe early Matador distribution as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I don't. You know, so to my mind, they were they should have been available to everybody who was paying attention at that point, which, you know, a <laughs> hundred stores in the country at that point. Who knows? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, that's good distribution. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a national zine for something that's being done as a DIY publication. Like, I think anytime something was, like, you know, like, well-known enough as a zine for you to be sending something in to them to be reviewed from Pittsburgh... It must have had, like, some sort of presence. Well, you know, I mean, like, you know, I picked it up and I was like, oh, this magazine writes about music that I'm interested in, Mm -hmm. you know. So it was as simple as that. Um, And so I guess we did talk about this yesterday. But how did you get into The Best Show? Oh, like, uh, for me, it was... um, uh, uh, Damon from from Don Cab, from Don Caballero, he he gave me a tape of Rotten Roll, um, you know, and he's like, "Have you ever heard this?" And I was like, "No," and uh, you know, it just it blew my mind, mm-hmm. and um, and from then and then I re- then I like kind of like put everything together, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this," you know, and it's not like I I could listen to the show every week, I, you know, I had little kids then, and so it's I rarely heard the show. But I was definitely aware of it and, um, you know, and then kept tabs on them. And then, you know, and then they started putting out the CDs mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, so I was I was on board with those right away. Yeah, I think the CDs are really like, you know, what broke that show through to a wider audience like those CDs and they put them out themselves. Stereo Last was their label, right? Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah, and it, that, that those CDs and kind of yeah. like getting, being able to buy them at indie record stores and like, and I also think bands, like, it's amazing the number of musicians you meet and you just play the best show for, and it must be obviously because of John being, you know, the, the musician's musician that he is and, and Tom, of course, being so heavily involved in music, but like, people involved in music just get that show immediately, so like... You know, like Kurt Vile or like, God, Matt Skiba yeah. from Alkaline Trio calls into the show now. Yeah. Also, I mean, you know, obviously, like, you know, band culture, and then even within the band, like van culture. Yeah. Those things are so suited for that because you know, like, you're together, you're with these people so intensely and and literally like right up on each other for a good portion of the day, you can't fill it all with music. And, um, so those things, you know, were, were real godsends in the van where they would occupy everybody and, um, you know, sort of like brighten the mood, you know, without any of the, you know, the real, you know, like I don't want to. I don't want to hear that record again. Yeah, yeah, like I hate this record. You know, so they were the ultimate argument settlers. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny too. Yeah. They, uh, like, you know, when you're in for my band, it's like the only communal listening experience we. I think we've ever really had. 
was listening to those best show best show calls. Yeah, you know, they're they're really you know they can, it really like you know can bring the band back together. Yeah, I would love if they did one where they brought in all the other callers too. Because remember, like in the first run of calls, they there were other callers, not just John. Like obviously, John is a genius, and like oh yeah. I can't think of a I can't think of a comic duo that has had a longer streak than the two of them, or like a comic team, like every week yeah. for years. Yeah, no, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, it really will. Like, you, you know, I mean, obviously, like they keep, you know, it just keeps building a little bit mm-hmm. and a little bit, mm-hmm. and but I think you know, there's going to be a point where people are like, you know, wait a minute you've amassed how much material yeah you know and all that stuff so it's it's really you know in that well it's like it's kind of like that is the one thing about our you know our generation at least of you know of musicians and and i guess you know and they would fit in that in some way is that you know bands didn't uh, have to break up and also didn't have to start sucking mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. So and they they you know they sort of maintain this like steady line, um, you know if you, you just look at a band say like Yola Tango, you know like there's no reason why a band that's been together that long shouldn't like you know shouldn't suck, you know but if anything they get better yeah so you know something like that. I think you'd be hard pressed though than you'll to find a collection of people that are more, you know, uh, studied in music and and think about it than than Yola Tango. Like when you talk to them about bands that they like, well, like they go forever. Like, can oh, I yeah. ask a, yeah. a best show related question? Mm-hmm. What what would the best show do when Super Chunk would tour? He would call in from the road. He's like in the parking lot, yeah. uh, uh, like outside the club, on the phone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Some of those are amazing. Some of those ones are like some of the funniest ones, too. And when, like, when the compilation came out, like the the were people bummed that it didn't come with any kind of medallion? <laughs> well, no, they weren't because when the compilation box it came well, out, yeah, I was. It came out with yeah. a giant picture of me and an essay by me. So no, people were just stoked enough, Dave. <laughs> It comes with a giant picture of you. There's a uh, the, one of the pages in the book is a photo of me and with Tom from the cruise ship that we went on a cruise together on. <laughs> and you did you did write for what was it? Did you do the whole? No, I wrote one book? essay. No, there's like it's Jake Fogelis. There's like a, a a list of amazing people that contributed to that box set, which I think speaks to like the you know like I talk about in the essay, but like. You know, Kurt Vile, when we took Kurt Vile on that first tour we went out with him on, uh, you know, like, I'm backstage with him. I'm like, are you in a punk? He's like, no. And I'm like, oh. And then he's like, I'm like, are you in the best show? Or, like, somehow the best show came up. And he's like, and he just goes immediately into a Philly Boy Roy impression. And we just bonded like crazy over that. (laughs) Like, just like immediately. That was like the connection. 
It's like we're I'm gonna... sure it probably went like, "Are you into punk?" He's like, "Nah." You're like, "Are you into wrestling?" He's like, "Nah." And you're like, "Are you into weed?" He's like, "Nah." And then best show was cool. Maybe. <laughs> I think it was pre weed. It could have been. Yeah, I was just thinking one. that in my head. Actually, do you like pop? No, no, no. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the beverage. Yeah. yeah. Soda. Um, hey, how much Pepsi, Pepsi did you drink? How much Pepsi did you yeah. drink in an afternoon? Now, what's another cool thing about Tom Sharpling's Discogs? What's that? Is that that it's like you know profile site aliases aliases Gary the Squirrel Vance the Puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have a puppet uh, alias on my Discogs. I think. Well, I kind of want to try and get Aiden English to 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 talk to me about like did he copy the puppet idea too from Tom Sharpling? You know. WWE wrestling superstar Aiden English, best show. Oh, that that Aiden English, okay. yeah, aka Big Dumb Oaf. <laughs> you got to play to your audience here, Dame. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you wrestle dummies. <laughs> that was for the best show fans out there, Dave Martin. <laughs> I think one of my best memories of that whole weekend of of shows or week of shows that we did, Chris was watching you listen to the Music Scholar for the first time. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was awesome. It's such a good call. Like Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I did it did help. Like I I expressed I think previously at some point that we were on forty eight hours of no sleep roughly. So it was a little uh it was funnier than it probably even would have been normally to me, which would have been very funny. But uh yeah it was it's it's really good. I sent it to David up. Yeah, yeah Dave, you've I listen to it too, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and I've said like it, it's almost like too close to home at points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the same way that like every cock rock band felt like Spinal Tap was like a total shot fire at them. Yeah, um, <laughs> like yeah. that is that feel like I'm sure we were all like, uh, do I do that? Like <laughs> at some point in our life, the other ones, <laughs> yeah. that, the hardcore ones that are amazing are uh, the Hammerhead stuff. Which is about Tom's like hardcore bully. They used to beat him up at shows wearing REM shirts. Those ones are incredible. And uh, the other one that's incredible on the same lines are the two Mike Jacko calls, where Michael Jackson discovers punk and uh, plays in a band that's actually just uh, I think it's just Last Rites or maybe it's Slapshot. I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, it's a, they're both hilarious. I gotta check those out. Yeah. Oh, incredible. The. Uh... Is like that hammer, whatever. Hammerhead. Hammerhead. Is that is that actually like, whatever autobiographical for real, or is that just a joke? I don't know. Like Tom kind of implies in his episode that he did have issues with people fucking with him at shows for not being into like quote unquote right bands. So because he's like he's a big dude, I can't like people like I can't see people picking on him. That seems a bit strange to me, but okay. Yeah, but he's also a smart, funny person, and that's definitely not the person that normally. Uh, you know, he's not a tough guy. He might be a tough guy, you know, but I mean, like, he doesn't, like, carry himself like he's a bully, I should say. Yes, I got I get that, yeah. You know, so I think, uh, I don't, like, I don't know, it might be semi-autobiographical in that regard, but, like, it is... But it's also Philly, you know, everyone was just a bully there. Or New Jersey, Philadelphia, yeah, like, yeah. it was tough, tough shows. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Not like Gentle Toronto. No. <laughs> Post BFGs, of course, General Toronto. BFGs yeah. <laughs> cleared up the city pretty good. Um, but that's for that's for another episode. Uh, I think that's it. Um, any, we you know we should do maybe some of reflections on the whole tour. Uh, 
I had a fun ass time. The live stuff was really yeah. fun. I wanted to mention one thing also that I forgot yesterday, which is the the one good thing about redoing this, especially um, Dave Martin in company here brought me Christmas presents early and yeah. uh they were fantastic and i very much enjoy them and i appreciate it still dave so thank you um oh you're welcome but i we we did have a very good time and it's too bad that uh mr david up ackerman could not be in attendance at one of these because i think it would have been like the perfect cherry on top but so that was probably the only thing missing really in my well, view well when we figure out the uh, the west coast tour or the colorado show yes um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and if you're I mean, if, with, I was going to say if Shane, uh, within reason I would you go. Uh, <laughs> so within reason, I, I I would love to go to the next round. I think if you're doing that weird uh, Canadian one, I'm not sure that I will. <laughs> no, wait, yeah, I don't know who's going to make it to Kingston. Well, I'm the, the only one's going to be good. I think I'm the only one who's obliged in that respect, and uh, yeah, so. You guys don't need to worry about crossing borders, I don't think. Yeah. Maybe I'll have someone. Maybe we'll do Collins. Maybe we'll do some phone and stuff for that one. <laughs> yeah, it could be. There you uh, go. Because, <laughs> but it, there's definitely yeah, there's like going to be some fun stuff in the future. We'll have there'll, there'll be lots of good live ones at at points at some point, <laughs> and we'll all get together and we'll be able to hang out together and and do this in person, you know, and. uh yeah, that's that's about it, right? Anyone else got anything to add? No, I, and uh, for the uh, for the like super weirdo that was just tapping the phone, they'll see that this was a totally a rather different than yesterday's. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. For the person, uh, for the uh, for the members of the government that are now having to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think at a certain point, they, don't they have to like turn it off if it's not government secrets? I don't know. Like mob, mob, mob movies have told me that. that but, you, you know, yeah, you're, you're talking across to a Canadian, so now we're transborder, so maybe it makes it different. <laughs> yeah, like a, a Mountie might have different rules. I yeah, definitely. Definitely. CSIS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to say, um, again, the things missing from the lost episode that did not get covered. Quick list. Raging Slab. Baby Gopal Pressings. Uh, what else did we go over yesterday? That did not get mentioned. Dave mentioning Sinatra Hardcore, which was a great story. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I'd need to tell that again. That's why. No, I, you don't need yeah. to tell it again. I just mean, we're just putting it out yeah, there. No. The yeah, no. things that you missed. No. Yeah, we had a lot of Buy Our Records related Raging Slab talk. It was like, a, a, we looked at the Victory website for way too long yes. for people to be listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was, uh, it's, been a, it's been good even the second time around, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, this has been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you guys having patience to do this again. And we will all do this again soon, and we'll do the mailbag episode. Yes, yeah, for sure. Okay, awesome. Well, love you guys. Go out there and make your own culture. Find us on those various things we mentioned at the top of the show. Subscribe, write a review, rate this thing if you use iTunes, and and that's it. Anything else you want to uh-huh. anyone add? Put their Twitter handles out there. Uh, I'm still at uh, Living Brindle. And uh, that, that's all I got. Your Graham? Uh, David W.R. Martin. And, and what's your Graham? I believe it's still uh, No Dave's Fly Here. All right. And Chris's is? <laughs> it's not.